Join me, Dr. Cathy Weston, for my podcast series, Get a Grip, brought to you by Tooled Up Education, the home of evidence-based tips on parenting, family life and education. In each podcast, I help unpick some of the trickier questions relating to how we raise children today. How do we talk to children about mental health? How can we make sure our children engage safely with the digital world? Whose responsibility is the mental health education of our children, teachers or parents? These podcasts get me talking and you thinking. I've reached out to today's thought leaders and main researchers in this area and asked them their views on the areas where we need to get a grip. Justin Bowen is an author of three books, Fighting for This Life or Cancer Journey, Be the Rainbow and Cuddles Are Forever. In 2019, Justin became a widowed father and his books reflect his family's experience of living with his wife's cancer and subsequent bereavement. Justin previously had a career of nearly 20 years working with children and families, including running a children's residential unit and youth offending service. He also ran his own business. He has two children aged eight and ten and they live in Worcestershire. How are you, Justin? Yes, very well, thank you. Good to be here. Well, this is a very timely interview because we are recording this the morning after Her Majesty's passing. So I think the entire nation will have lots of curious children asking lots of questions at this very difficult time. Yes, that's right. When big events like this happen, obviously it can trigger all sorts of feelings for everybody and children are no different. Now, your books, first of all, the titles of your books, Cuddles Are Forever, it's just so (laughs) poignant in itself. And I have to say that the Be The Rainbow book, which I'm going to talk about that as well, it really reminded me this morning there was an image circulating on Twitter of a rainbow over Buckingham Palace and how uh, soon after Her Majesty's passing, the double rainbow had appeared in the sky and how meaningful that had been for so many people. So it reminded me very much of your own sort of story. So tell us a little bit about a little bit about your story and a little bit about your most recent book as well. So in terms of Be the Rainbow, I mean, that really came about after my wife died and the amazing support we had from our village school who were just from day one were just wonderful and it actually came about about a year after my wife had died and my daughter who had such great support from the school she painted a picture and in the picture, it was of a storm, but in the middle of it was this beautiful bright rainbow. And when I asked her about it, you know, she said how the storm was how she sometimes feels. Even at, at that stage, she said, I, you know, I sometimes have this storm inside, and that's what that is. And there's lots of rain, lots of cloud. And then I asked her about, well, what's the rainbow? And she said, well, the rainbow is all the things that make me feel better. And when I asked her about well, what has helped you feel better? One of the things she said was school. And it was just this wonderful moment where I realized how lucky we had been. And, but the thing was, I knew from other parents in my position, widowed parents, that it was very much down to luck because so many people had such different experiences, ranging from no support at all to actually very bad support that had almost done more harm than good. And it occurred to me that it shouldn't be down to luck. So in that moment came that sort of inspiration, well, let's do something about that. 
and from there then you know the image of schools and, and really any professionals who offer bereavement support of them being the rainbow that really became the theme of the book so that's where that came from and that book is a comprehensive must-have guide which i've read for any school setting because you spell out you even provide templates for schools to use in the event of a child being bereaved it's extremely you know important tell us what you know what we need to know about the ways in which children grieve that perhaps people don't expect well i think one of the first things is that i mean grief isn't linear it doesn't start on the day that the important person dies and then gets progressively easier over time. In fact, it's one of the myths, really, that time heals. Time in itself doesn't heal. And particularly for children, my experience of my children and other children that I've come to know who have experienced the death of someone important is that, you know, the way it's described is that they jump in and out of puddles. So they can literally one moment jump into a deep puddle of grief and have all those difficult feelings around losing the person that has died but then just as quickly they can jump into another puddle where their primary concern is what's for tea or they want to play and giggle and be happy so that for me is probably the biggest you know the biggest thing for adults to learn is that you know they don't have to be always in there and they won't always be in their grief and actually as adults we need to be emotionally agile enough to move with them and so that's really been my you know my greatest learning over the past three years and the kind of flexibility agility as you describe it that we need as adults to sort of lean in and take our lead from those children in terms of the sort of the way in which they are behaving or the needs as they change and fluctuate over time. One of the lovely things in your book is you help us understand quite common reactions that children might have to grief. One of them being a sort of fantasy about death, wanting to be with their departed parent or, or grandparent or whatever. And that can be quite frightening for people, but it's a very intuitive response to want to be with that person, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's, again, it's one of the hard things for adults is and it certainly was for me the first time, it's my daughter who said it, first of all, when they say, I want to die. And immediately, you know, my feeling at that time was, and, and this is common amongst adults who hear that from, from a child, is that it's because they're feeling depressed and low and they want to end their life. And actually, when I explored that with her, with my daughter, about what that was about, I realized that actually it's because she had this fantasy that she could go to heaven and see her mom but then she would she could come back and but then you know so it was like this kind of well typically a childlike fantasy of what death is and so you know some of the things that children can say we interpret through the lens of being an adult but actually it's about trying to explore with them what it is that is really being expressed through that and once you start to do that then it becomes less frightening for us as adults. And actually, we're more able to engage with the child in the way that they need. 
That's right. It's our overreaction that we need to, to, to watch. So just watching our own emotional responses in those moments, not overreacting, calming down and listening to what the child is actually saying. Yes, it's take a moment, you know, take exactly. a moment just to let it go in and then gently explore what it is that's actually being expressed. And schools, all schools can learn from your daughter's school, that rainbow school, if you like, in terms of how they responded. And something that really struck me in reading that book was, and this is so interesting, that what happens in the initial hours, the days following that death really can have quite a long-term impact. So tell us a little bit about that. And in that first 24 hours, what works, what doesn't? What should schools focus on? So. You know, how a school, how professionals react in those initial hours when, when they first get the call or they're first told you know, about the death, that can really set the tone for the weeks, the months, even the years that follow. So you know, there are a number of things which are really important. First of all, you know, the thing I say um, you know, in the book is the most important thing is to show you care, show that you genuinely have an interest in the child and their family, and that you want to achieve the best outcome for them. You know, keep it simple. You, you don't have to do very much in those those early interactions, those first few hours and days. And also just provide that reassurance that actually you will put the child first. So one of the key things in that is allowing Letting the child and their family know the child can return to school when they are ready, which might be very quickly, but it might be that they need quite a long time before they're even ready to think about returning. So putting that reassurance in place very quickly takes a lot of the pressure off. And I guess the last thing I would say is about, you know, be available. So let the family know that they can contact you whenever they need to and just keeping those communication channels open so that you can be checking how they are and keeping in touch you know as time goes on and one of the lovely another lovely thing about that book is you provide you know this is where your sort of professional background comes in you know the importance of assessment and making sure you know there is some sort of template for professionals to use so that they have the confidence to have those quite difficult dialogues with grieving adults and children and you know you explain the importance of that assessment and also of having a sort of a bereavement support plan i love that term it's very very confidence building so one of the, the ways that i describe those different elements are it's like building a house so assessment you know a good clear assessment of what the child and their family needs is the foundation you know that has to be solid it has to be based on what the family and the child need because that actually then will underpin everything that follows from that so once you've got that assessment which doesn't doesn't have to be complicated doesn't have to be long but it does require um, asking some difficult questions And one of the reasons I put a template into the book for assessment is as a widowed parent, I want to give teachers the confidence that they can ask some of the difficult questions. So, for example, one of the questions I've included in the template is how did the person die? Because actually that then 
will help the professional understand where the family are at. For example, if death was very sudden, very unexpected, very traumatic, then it's likely that the child and the family will experience a period of, you know, of shock and immediate trauma. Whereas if death was more expected and had been coming for some time, then that will be less of an issue. So that assessment is the foundation. And then from that, everything else flows. And the plan, which again, doesn't have to be complicated. It can be simple, but it will be based on that very clear understanding of the child's needs and where they are at. And then obviously the plan then is basically that's the bit which you then have to deliver on your promises. You know, so the important thing in the end is that you actually do the things that you set out to do within the plan. So so those kind of three elements of assess, plan and then deliver, if you get those right, then actually that as I've said in the book, that's how you become the rainbow. One of the things that I suppose in your daughter conveyed, I think, when she talked about the school in that way, that that was a safe place for her, that she remembers it being a happy place, a place where she felt supported. And, you know, reminding children that at that time and beyond that time that they feel safe and because obviously it can be so traumatizing that they feel the most important people in their life have passed on and they can feel tremendously unsafe. So that whole concept of feeling safe and the role of schools in that is incredibly important. What strategies did you find worked well in reminding children of that support network? How can they kind of map it out psychologically and why is that important? You're absolutely right. And, you know, in terms of the most important thing is is creating an environment in which children feel able to express those difficult feelings. And I guess the way you can do that, there are a number of things. There are simple exercises. So one of the exercises in the book is the There For Me bracelet, which is about identifying with the child you know, who is there for them, who they can talk to. And then the exercise takes them through actually making a bracelet that acts as a constant reminder for them. Because in the turbulence, when children get lost in that emotional turbulence, that's when they forget that the support is there and that there, there are people that they can go to. But the other thing actually is also just about adults modeling that expression of feelings. So one of the things for me and, and you know my children has been for me not to be afraid to talk about mummy, to say to them if I'm feeling that I'm missing her or feeling sad or whatever feelings are there, to actually create that environment in which they see the expression of, of feelings as okay. So that's another important part. And I guess the last bit, particularly in relation to schools, is that, and actually the, the physical classroom environment can be very helpful so for example one of the things that our value school did was for both my children they helped uh, make up a really lovely picture of their mum with sort of nice art and framework and and actually kept it in the classroom so it actually showed that it was okay to talk about their mum it was okay to express feelings so that physical environment is also very important. 
such beautiful messaging that that school was able to just do so, you know, intuitively. And I think that sort of idea of emotional literacy, I think those staff sound very, very skilled, but a lot of teachers might feel very frightened to to say to a child, you know, I can see you're upset. Do you need to talk? Or, you know, they're, they're frightened to lean in and you can understand why. But in your experience, it's important to validate children's feelings at that particular time when they're upset, isn't it? I think one of the, again, one of the key messages is that, you know, letting children know that difficult feelings are appropriate and normal. That's one of the the most important things of allowing the child to feel able to express. So, So again, it comes back to that environment where giving those simple messages, even if, you know, as adults, we sometimes find it hard, you know, to initiate conversations if you create that environment in which the child can do that for themselves then actually that helps us as adults as well so that we don't have to be constantly checking in that we can have some confidence that the child will let us know when they need time out or when they're struggling with something difficult and you know from your own perspective justin you know for other parents listening who know that a parent has been bereaved of their partner at school do you have any tips for them you know is it a good thing to ask how are you doing on the school run is it a good thing to invite them out for a coffee is it a good thing not to mention it and distract them what would your best advice be so for me it's the small things that made a difference so just little offers of help you know do you need anything is there anything we can do because often as a, a widowed parent it's the practical stuff of day-to-day life that can feel more overwhelming. So for example, I remember just a few days after my wife had died, some neighbors of ours arrived at the front door with a cottage pie that they had made. And even now I still remind them of that. I mean, they've long forgotten that they did it. And that, because I say to them, that was one of the most wonderful moments of, of that first week, because it just took all the pressure off of what am I going to make for tea? So those sort of natural, simple, but sincere offers of help, practical help, you know, those are the things that make all the difference. And actually, it just kind of makes life a little easier, which is really what we we need in those turbulent first few days and weeks. Yeah, so that you can focus on your children and not have to go to the supermarket or worry about other things that would preoccupy your time. Absolutely. Another thing I'd love to ask you about is school staff might be very worried about how to tell other children in your children's class about what they've been through. Can we just talk about that for a moment? Yeah, so, I mean, school has got such an important part to play in terms of communicating to you know the school community about what's happened, because one of the things that bereaved children don't want is to have to keep telling their story over and over again. So the school, by giving the rest of the school community, including the other children, clear, factual information about what's happened can really help because it actually then takes that little bit of pressure off. And actually, so one of the things is, there are a number of ways of doing it, but for example, in an assembly or bringing the school together and letting everybody know, but then allowing and facilitating the opportunity for other children to ask questions or 
to express feelings that they might have about what's happened. So that, if you like, the school takes care of that so that the bereaved child doesn't have to. You know, that's a really important part of the role that the school can play. And potentially having those dialogues before the child returns to school so that it's all out of their system. They've asked everything. They know what they can say, what they can't say, and we're good to go. It's just about getting back to play and friendship and all those lovely other support mechanisms. Absolutely, yes. Because also the other thing that that does is it allows their friends to constantly being their friend, you know, and having their own questions and own difficulties come up in those relationships. And Justin, were there any incidents where you thought that other children, your children's friends, did an amazing job, even if they were quite little, in supporting or saying the right thing to your own children? Yes, definitely. In fact, I would say that it's it was my children's friends who probably were their greatest source of support. I mean, my son in particular. So my son was seven at the time. And even now, he still talks about his friend, Zach who the first time that my son got upset in class, you know, the teachers asked Bren if you know, he needed to go and have some time out. And Zach offered to go with him and actually just went and sat with him and gave him some company. And even now my son will talk about that three years on. So, you know, similarly for my daughter with her friends, you know, I believe that actually their friends are often the greatest source of support. Yeah, if they're just sort of allowed the opportunity and given the agency to be allowed to comfort their friend and not warned to not talk about things or or, or sort of given too many instructions about how to behave. Children know how to behave instinctively and it's for us as adults to facilitate that and then not get in the way of it. And if we can do that, then actually the children will take care of each other In terms of, and this is extremely topical at the moment, we know that, for example, Her Majesty's death can trigger any grief, any prominent death can trigger, you know, real feelings of loss and all sorts of feelings, resentment, anger, comparison, all sorts of things. How have you navigated that over the last two days? Is that something that has resonated and that's important to think about? So yesterday when when I heard the news that the Queen was very ill, I put the news on. And again, one of the things that I, you know, I found to be very important is actually to just to have that very open relationship and you know, have very open discussions about death with the children. So I put the news on and my son came in and he, you know, he asked what was happening. So I said that the Queen was ill. And actually, as we were talking, it actually then flashed up that the sad news that she had died. And so, you know, my son and I, you know, we just sat and watched and we exchanged a few words about it. But it was, it's allowing them to just be part of, of that experience in whatever way they want to. And then after, I don't know, sort of 15 minutes, my son decided that that was enough for him and he went off. And then just as the evening went on, you know, I just sort of checked in with them. And actually, it, it is that that simple principle of just being relaxed in having those discussions about death. And I think that's, you know, that's a really important part of the grieving and the healing process. 
you're not kind of shutting the TV down as soon as he comes into the room or shielding no. him from things. Exactly, exactly. That lovely culture of openness. Yes. So in your vast experience, other than all of your brilliant books, we're going to talk about your most recent book in a second. What are the main agencies that schools should know about? So I know, for example, things like, I don't know, the Child Bereavement Trust, I think it's called. What are the big organizations that every school should really lean into and know about? So, the, the, yeah, the two big ones in the UK are the Winston's Wish, which are a fabulous charity, and Child Bereavement UK. But often there are, so for, for my children, it's a, a really lovely local organization in Worcestershire called Footsteps. And they actually, they were the organization that we used. So quite often people will find there are really fantastic local organizations that are doing some wonderful work. So the important, I guess, you know, what I'd say, you know, use your search engines for bereavement support and actually have those conversations because everyone's needs are different. So what works, you know, an organization which is great for for one child might not be the same for another. So I, I guess it's have those conversations and do those searches as, as you go along. And Justin, what about for bereaved fathers who might be listening? Are you aware of any sort of specific groups within those bigger charities that you find useful or anything that you'd like to pass on? So I, a few months after my wife died, I was told about an organisation called Widowed and Young. And that is for people, not just parents, but anyone who is widowed under the age of 51. And within Widowed and Young, there's also sort of a, a subgroup for parents. And they've just been a great source of support because that is an organization where it's people who are in exactly the same position as you. So knowing that you're not the only one and you're not on your own was you know, really helpful for me. So I, I would say Widowed and Young is a great place to go. Thank you. That's incredibly useful. Now, your latest book, I believe, Fighting for This Life, a beautiful title again, or Cancer Journey. It has a gorgeous cover, which I'm looking at, presumably of your wife on the beach, enjoying her life, enjoying the beach, enjoying your daughter or son's company. Yeah, so that was my first book. So that was the first book that I published, well, May, yeah, May last year, that would have been. And that was really the story of our family's experience from the time when my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer right the way through to when she died and it was based on the Facebook post that my wife wrote detailing her her journey and then my my most recent book which came out two days ago which is Cuddles Are Forever so so yeah so that, that makes the three books so far each I suppose with a different aspect of my family's experience you know, first of all with cancer and then subsequently bereavement. So there's sort of the coming to terms and making sense of what the family has been through. And then there's the listen schools, you know, this is what you can do to make sure children are incredibly supported. And then the beautiful one about sustaining that love and that relationship beyond the death and in a way that enables and activates children's coping. So there's almost like a trilogy. Yes. And in some ways that's been it reflects my own journey, really, which is that, as you said, that initial coming to terms with what we had been through to, OK, this is how we can start to heal. And then with Cuddles of Forever, it's actually based on a story that I've been telling my children, which really is 
about how the one thing we do know about death, which science has taught us, is that you know energy never dies, and and actually you know the story of that, both for myself and my children, was incredibly powerful in bringing comfort, you know, because it, everybody believes something different, and that's okay. But actually, when you discover that there are truths that science has established about how our energy, part of our energy, lasts forever, then that was such a great source of comfort. And that's what led to me writing the, the children's picture book, Cuddles of Forever. And it's been published two days ago. First of all, how can schools and families get hold of it? And secondly, how do you feel having written it? How do your children, how have they reacted to your brilliant creative pursuits? So all of my books are available on Amazon, whether it's amazon.co.uk or .com or whatever your regional Amazon is. So they're all available on that. And I guess for my children, I like to think, and actually, you know, they tell me that they are very proud of not just what I've done, but actually gives them pride in what they've done. You know, my daughter, the fact that her painting is used on the cover of the rainbow, the fact that people are reading the story of their mum in Fighting for This Life. Because even today, every day somewhere in the world, because I, I get the data through from Amazon, someone is reading their mum's story, so they love that. And then the fact that the story that I have been telling them about how energy lasts forever, the fact that that's now on Amazon for other people to buy and share, you know, they really love that. So in some ways it all feeds into our sense of building a new life and healing from what has happened, which we can't change, but actually life can still be good and positive as the years pass by. And some of the reviews, I'm sure it's so enjoyable for your children even to read the reviews of your books. You know, people are reading them in one sitting and they love the tribute, you know, to your wife and they're talking about how proud she must be of you. And it's just helping people feel supported and oh, it's just inspirational. You're inspirational. I mean, these are, this is just fantastic. I mean, I cannot believe how holistically you cover the needs of all children through those books but at the same time you're making sense of what's happened to you as an individual but equally creating a legacy for your wife as well thank you it's very kind i do feel very lucky and i'm very lucky that i'm in a position where i can do this and i'm very lucky to have two children who you know even on those sort of darkest days particularly in you know, the early weeks and months, they were my motivation to get one foot out of bed and then the other and then stand up and then to go and do something positive. So so I just feel very lucky that I'm in a position where I can do something which not only helps me and my children, but hopefully helps others in such difficult circumstances, wherever they may be. Now, Justin, one last question from a school who knew we were interviewing you. Do you do consultancy? Do you do talks in schools? Do you provide any coaching for families in the same situation? Thank you. Well, I'm currently working on turning the content of Be The Rainbow into an online training program for schools. So that will be available, I'm hoping, by the end of the year. But, you know, in terms of 
you know, sort of other parents in that horrible, painful position, I always say, just get in touch, either drop me an email at uh, info at be the rainbow.co.uk or message on Facebook because, you know, I know how hard it is. So I'm always happy for people to get in touch and, you know, I can either, even if it's a simple conversation or maybe point them in the direction of somewhere where they can get much more specialist support. So yeah, just get in touch is, is what I would say. You're incredibly generous and we're very thankful to you as schools are for the fantastic and quick way in which you've compiled all of this supportive information. When you've established your training course, we would love to know about it for the schools that we support within Tooled Up so that we can help promote and disseminate it. So please stay in touch with us. And in the meantime, we will put all of the links to your books, how to buy them, all of the information in terms of organizations that you've signposted to within this podcast in the notes that accompany it. So thank you so much, Justin, for your time and your expertise. And, you know, I love the hope that permeates through all of your content. I think it's very confidence building for many parents in a similar situation who are listening. So thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you, Kathy, And, you know, thank you for the wonderful work that you do as well. We're a network. None of us can do it on our own. And people like you are fantastic at bringing people like me and others like me together. So it's a great an important network that we're part of. Thank you. All the very best and take good care. Thanks, Kathy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This Get a Grip podcast is brought to you by Tooled Up Education, the home of evidence-based tips on parenting, family life and education. www.tooledupeducation.com Parents and teachers in Tooled Up schools can also access notes accompanying each podcast available to read and download from the Tooled Up site.